Hello, this is Kevin Quinley of Quinley Risk Associates, and welcome to the Claims Coach Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that offers tips, tools, and techniques to help great claim and risk professionals get even better at managing their caseloads, their time, their resources, and their careers. Today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to launch a series titled Profiles in Claims Excellence. All of the podcasts thus far have been me talking about a specific claims or risk-related topic, but here I want to start a series about once a month where we spotlight industry thought leaders from the world of claims, insurance, and risk. And we're going to kick this off with Nancy Germond. Uh, Nancy's decades of insurance experience gives her, I think, unique insights as an insurance specialist and consultant. Uh, She's an accomplished risk and claims manager. She's authored scores of risk management articles and presents to organizations like the Public Risk Manager Association, Claims Association, and the Society for Human Resources. Nancy has the ARM, Associate in Risk Management Designation, the AIC, Associate in Claims Designation, and is a certified insurance training professional. She also holds the prestigious Senior Professional in Human Resources Designation. Uh, True confessions, I've known Nancy for years. I've enjoyed and benefited from her commentary and, and want to share with you her insights on the insurance claim field and education, and we'll come back to that. So welcome, Nancy. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. We've known each other for years, but for the benefit of listeners, can you tell us briefly about your current role and its relationship to the field of insurance claims? Sure. A couple years ago, the industry here in Arizona got together uh, some of the senior leaders in claims in the excess surplus in the personal lines and commercial lines market and said, where are we going to get bodies? Where are we going to get this next generation of workers? So we spent a year putting together a, a program that could be rolled out by the community colleges. So I was recruited. I was on that team developing it. And then a few months later, maybe almost a year later, I received a call from Glendale Community College asking me to come aboard as a residential faculty in the business and technology department and train our new generation of insurance professionals. So our students are able to either get a two-year AA Associate of uh, Science degree or a uh, certificate program in 18 months. And of all my students, I'm going into my, let's see, my fourth semester there, all of our students who have looked for jobs have found full-time employment or part-time employment in the industry. So... That's what I'm doing currently, as well as some consulting and writing. That's terrific. And this is in the Phoenix area, is that right? Correct, yes. And and is your focus of instruction uh, as part of the faculty there, is that uh, insurance-oriented? Yes, yes. I I teach some other business courses, but no, primarily I teach uh, insurance courses. And what we've done is partnered with the institutes to use institutes uh, designation uh, classes, which is really good because we don't have to develop uh, much of the curriculum. Much of it's already developed for us, as well as it's an industry standard, and everybody understands that these students will come out speaking the same language. It sounds like you've had a pretty good hit ratio in placing and matching these students with uh, with marketable skills and, and them finding employment. 
Absolutely. It's just been phenomenal. I mean, uh, after even one class, I have them going to work part-time in agencies, and uh, carriers have developed internship programs. Hartford just hired one of our really high performers who's a, a former veteran, and she begins work, or actually I think she began last week. It's just been really exciting. That's great because you hear so much worries about the talent um, problem, the uh, brain drain, and we'll come back to that. But uh, let me step back a little bit because, Nancy, I've never known anyone who, as a young person, said, you know, I hope one day to grow up and become a claims adjuster. So I've got to ask you, how and why did you enter the insurance claims business? Well, it's an, it's obviously a genetic glitch because my mom, my dad were independent agents. My brother followed them into their agency, but my mom warned me not to go into claims. She called it the worst end of the industry, and she did not use that word. <laughs> uh, so, of course, because she said not to do it, I was attracted to claims. So I began my career first in their agency and then went over to Rollins Burdick Hunter as their claims coordinator. But... After a year there, I wanted to go where the action was. I just wasn't suited to sit full-time behind a desk. And I also saw that going into the field was um, a better opportunity for advancement. Um, It's never been a dull day, and I've never regretted my decision to go into claims. So it sounds like a lot of compliant children you did the opposite of what your parents... uh, (laughs) Well, I was the baby, so... Maybe they should have used reverse psychology and ordered you into claims, but uh, I'm glad that you ended up uh, in the field. So you're active in the field of insurance education, and I've heard it said sometimes that when when you teach and you do it right, the teacher ends up learning as much or more than the students. So let me ask you, what is, as an insurance educator, what's been the biggest learning or takeaway you've gained from being an instructor in that capacity? Well, that our talent in the industry that's already there, our claims talent is absolutely amazing. I spent uh, about four years teaching for Vail Technical in Dallas, and the the quality, the caliber of the adjusters who came through that program were simply amazing. They're very diverse. Uh, they're more tolerant of differences. They're eager to learn. They're skeptical, which is a great trait for both underwriters and claims people. Um, I think the big takeaway is that there's some tremendous talent already there, but in the incoming talent, the millennials, where we're really, really pushing to try to get good talent, they're pretty underprepared in what our trainers technically or usually call the soft skills, writing, communication, business etiquette, math skills, critical thinking. So organizations struggle to train to these basic skills Uh, Your community colleges are an untapped resource to teach these young learners how to think critically, how to write, and improve their math skills. So that's a big takeaway. We have some really incredible talent, but there's going to be some remedial. If you're going to focus on hiring millennials, you're going to have to do some remedial training in many cases. Good point, good point. So if if you were a... Let's take us back to when you were beginning your career, when I was beginning my career. What advice would you have to a young person considering a job or a career, because I realize those are two different things, 
in the insurance industry? What would be your uh, overarching advice to them? Well, it would be that it's a fantastic career, and it's not just call center, and it's not just selling. Uh, There's a lot of variety. Um, I would say there's a caveat that it's a rather conservative environment, and sometimes to work your way up the, the ranks takes time. Um, but it's it's been a great industry. It pays well. Um, I've had a great career path. I think today's organizations are doing a lot of career pathing. So I just I think it it's just a wonderful career. I wish that I could convince more people. I go out to business classes at at Glendale College that are, um, for example, technology classes and general business and management, and I try to recruit them over into our insurance program because it's been such a stellar career for me and so many of my colleagues. It's a great career. Insurance does seem to have an image problem <laughs> at times, <laughs> undeservedly. But, um, yeah. So if you – are there any lessons that you've learned in your insurance career that you wish you would have known as, say, a 20-something uh, entering the field? If there was one thing that – that you know now that you wish you had known then when you started your career. Any thoughts about well, that? Yeah, I, you know, I wish I had earned my CPCU. I made a conscious decision. I earned the ARM, AIC, and I, ITP, and, um, but I made a conscious decision not to get a CPCU and went instead and, and did some human resources, uh, finding it very useful in employment claims. But truthfully, I wish that I had done my CPCU because that is still the gold standard. Um, You said one thing. I've always got to say, too, Kevin, you know me. The second thing is the secret of compound interest. I wish I'd had a good financial planner earlier in my career and spent longer in one retirement system. Um, (laughs) I think it was Einstein that said that that was one of the phenomenon of the universe, uh, the the power of compound interest. But... uh, I totally, uh, I, I'm totally with you there. So we've touched on this we, for years. It seems like we've been hearing laments over the continuing brain drain in the insurance claims field. You got people leaving due to retirement. You got people leaving due to burnout. You got people leaving due to mergers, acquisitions, reengineering, right sizing, downsizing, etc. This whole thing about the brain drain. Do you think these worries are justified or are they overblown? No, and in fact, I don't think they're overblown. I was on a webinar with Insurance Journal uh, earlier uh, last week with uh, three of my colleagues, four of my colleagues in the industry, and here's what I said. I think if we don't address it um, better than we have been addressing it, that um, it's going to cripple the industry. I really do because uh, I published, I think, probably the first white paper in the nation on brain drain over eight years ago. We haven't wrapped our heads around it as an industry to date. There's been some great initiatives, but in short, um, where you need judgment underwriting and you need uh, claims handling that's not just um, you know, a comp claim, a windshield claim, I, I hit a deer, uh, you've got to have critical thinking skills and you've got to have uh, really stellar talent. So the industry's focused on millennials and getting them interested in a career. And no matter how wonderfully we've packaged it, it, uh, it simply isn't paying enough, often enough numbers to meet the 
projected demand of 400,000 new workers by 2020, and that's barely a year away by my math skills, a year and three months. Now, I'm not a highly skilled mathematical person, but that's we're in trouble. So here's what I see in my students in uh, on my campus. From in my insurance classes, they aren't millennials for the most part. They're mid-career workers who want a career with growth, good pay, and good benefits. They're in their 30s through their 60s, looking for a different, more rewarding career. They've been in the workforce in positions like working in social services. Um, I've, I trained one guy who was a framer who was put there by a workers' comp carrier because he couldn't go back to managing framing operations. Uh, and, and I helped to place him in a property position. Uh, but these people have, many of them, the critical thinking skills needed. So in 2008, when the construction market and many other markets crashed in, in the United States, we missed the boat when we didn't go out and hire out-of-work construction managers and estimators. If we'd searched the ranks at that time for those unemployed in construction and some other fields like uh, customer service, for example, in the service industry, then we wouldn't have the shortage of property adjusters we see right now. Our industry is so focused on millennials where there's many mid-career people uh, who, uh, who just want something more challenging and more stable with better benefits. So we need to think, rethink our hiring tactics and mine from industries like construction and hospitality and service industries where people have this kind of skills that we can then mold into the talent that we need in the claims end of the industry. That's a good point. It's almost reverse ageism. I mean, I'm all for recruiting millennials into the pipeline, but it sounds like you feel that there is an underserved or overlooked talent pool in terms of mid or even late career people who have seasoning in life, maybe have some interpersonal skills. They've been around the block a little bit more, and but armed with some modicum of technical expertise, they can do a very good job in the claims role. Yes, I, I believe so. So you may have touched upon that, you know, the whole thing about the brain drain. So what I was going to ask is how can the claims industry develop that talent pipeline to replace what seems to be an exodus of seasoned claims people retiring or leaving? For example, is, is pay the answer, higher pay, uh, or are there other factors as well? Well, part of it's pay, and you have a lot of experts saying, oh, pay doesn't matter, it's who you work for that matters. Pay still matters to a lot of people, believe me, it matters to me. Uh, and I think I'm pretty uh, normal worker. But one of the things that we have to do is look at the information that's there now. Who are our information agents in specific areas? So think about this scenario. A Lloyd's underwriter wants to issue a binding authority to an agent in Florida. However, they have to look at wildfire hazards. So you want to say, who is the expert in cat modeling in this particular exposure? And through knowledge asset mapping of what's already in the industry and then training new employees as they come in, partnering them with these highly experienced people, then you begin to be able to keep that that information there when your expert retires. Uh, you have to know what's in the organization and and map it and retain it um, in, when people leave the organization and then bring new people along. Um, 
with mentoring um, more experienced workers with your newer workers so that somebody's retaining that information. That's a good point. So we're, we're in August now, and I expect that in the not-too-distant future, uh, companies, insurance companies, uh, claim units are going to start formulating their 2019 budgets. And when they get budgets, uh, proposed budgets, they're going to look at line items for things like um, continuing education, AIC programs, CPCU programs, attending this conference, attending that seminar. And these, in my experience, are typically prime candidates for um, cutting budgets. Every, every company, every carrier wants to keep its expense ratio low. So I guess my question to you, I'd like your view on how upper management at insurance companies can be convinced to view insurance education, continuing education, as an investment and not just a budget-frill expense. Well, you're right. You and I have both seen it. The MBAs are running the asylums in every insurance carrier today. It's all about return on investment and profit and return on equity and shareholder profits. And I don't see that changing unless trainers learn to quantify the return on investment on their training. You can't go to senior managers and speak qualitatively only. You have to be able to quantify and it's unfortunate and it's short-sighted, but that's the way it is. If you can't speak the language of finance, um, you're not going to be able to sell your product, um, or you know, which is training. Basically, you have to be able to show um, a return. But not only that, you have to train your supervisors to train to your learning objectives. So to make sure that supervisors have know exactly what went on to, in the training and making sure that that training is being reinforced. Because we know, statistics show, that the majority of training is wasted. It's time wasted. And it's because it's not uh, uh, continued to be reinforced back on the claims floor. So that's really important as well. Yeah, and I guess um, there's always examples. God forbid that they should happen, but there's examples of the of the uh, negative returns if you get hit with a bad faith claim or lose a major account because some undertrained adjuster made a boneheaded omission or mistake. That's a painful way to learn. Um, otherwise, it's it's hard to point to the bad faith claim that you averted because you invested in claim education. But sometimes there may be a but- silver lining. Exactly, but one of the things that carriers are seeing, and I've talked to a lot of in-house defense counsel who've said adjusters are coming to me and, and managers in the liability portion of the claims unit asking me liability 101 questions that they should know. This is one of the issues. As talent leaves, we're promoting people maybe before they have the chops to actually do the job. And so uh, you are seeing these bad faith verdicts. You and I see them, and we look at them, and we think, who made that decision, and, and how did that get past management? So, yeah, it's it's a problem, and it's going to be a problem. So let's switch gears. We I think we both agree that the insurance claims business is rewarding, but it also, the other side of the coin, it's got its own stresses and strains. So i got to ask, what do you do, Nancy, to manage your stress and achieve work-life balance? Well, as you know, we're friends on social media, so I spend a lot of time with my dog. Right. you got a new uh, one, as I recall. Ask me for pics. 
Yeah, I've got a new one, yeah. And I read, uh, I write. In fact, I just got uh, Bill Wilson's new book, When uh, When Words Collide. Oh, I yeah. can't wait to read that. Great book. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a husband who whom I adore, and I last I checked, he adores me. And <laughs> that's reassuring <laughs> on most days. And um, basically, though, I live and breathe insurance. I'm an insurance geek, so you know, listening to your podcast, for example, which I did this morning, is relaxing. Oh, thank so, you. but I do have outside interests. Oh, good. I think I think that's important. So as we wrap up here and reflecting on the expanse of your career, which, of course, I realize is still ongoing, it's not over. <laughs> no, I hope not. If you were to leave us with one takeaway or one bit of advice that you would give to other claim professionals listening to this, what might that be? Well, I would tell you what I tell my students. Get as much education as you can. They can take your car, your house, your dog, but they can't take away your education. Be nice to people in the industry because that person that you diss may be your next boss. My father taught me that, and it served me well. Build relationships outside your area of expertise. Uh, Go over to the underwriting department. Have lunch with loss prevention. Uh, Be well-rounded and read. And then mentor people and don't expect thanks. Do you know how rarely we thank people? Thank people profusely who've helped you along the way. The other day I called one of my first and best bosses uh, ever from 35 years ago, and we had the just the greatest talk. And uh, I, I, I never would have made it without these mentors, and among them you, who helped me out so often. Well, that's very kind of you. So, Nancy, if listeners uh, hearing this podcast would like to contact you with questions or for more information, what's the best way to do that? It's very easy. You can go to my LinkedIn profile or at, at Twitter. I'm on at Insurance Writer or email me at nancy at insurancewriter, W-R-I-T-E-R dot com. And I'm happy to hear from people. Okay, thank you. Nancy, I, we really appreciate your time and your insights. And for those listening to this podcast, uh, Nancy and I hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, I certainly have, uh, this being in conversation with Nancy Germond. If you like the content here, please subscribe to The Claims Coach on iTunes and leave a review. Some closing comments, uh, Quinley Risk Associates provides claims and risk management services for the risk industry and expert witness assistance for the legal community around the country. For more information and my menu of services, please visit me at www.claimscoach.com. For everyone here, thanks for listening, and be sure to check back for future claims and risk management podcasts from The Claims Coach.